Welcome to the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast, where we untangle the past, rewrite the present, and reclaim our future. I am your host, Tammy Vincent, and together we will break free from old patterns, heal wounds, and create new narratives. Are you ready to transform the effects of your dysfunctional past into your superpowers? Are you excited to get back in touch with your true authentic self? If so, then hit subscribe and join me weekly on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. Here we will learn from experts as well as experienced thrivers how to turn our trials into smiles while living our most authentic and joyful lives. Well, hello again and welcome to another episode of Adult Child of Dysfunction. Today we have with us Jody Gray. Jody is a mindset life uh, mindset coach and she supports women on their healing journey. Together they identify and challenge limiting beliefs, behavior patterns and past traumas, diving into self-growth and a leaning for self-love, dissolving what is in the way of her clients want to that want to live. Jody's clients learn a whole new way of living, opening themselves up to new possibilities, living the life they want rather than what they have settled for. She helps them understand that life is possible after trauma. Hi, Jody. So glad to have you here today. Hi, Tammy. It's so lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us a little bit more about kind of how you got started in the in the coaching and the mindset work and all of that good stuff that you do. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I think like many people in this industry, it takes a journey, it takes a story of our own to lead us into this. And sure enough, like everybody, I have a story. So I think for me, I got to the end of my tether. I got to that point where I was waking up every day going, actually, I'm done with this. I don't want to feel like this anymore. This isn't the life that I thought I was going to have. And how can we keep on living this day every single day over and over again? And I guess that's when I thought that's it there's something has to change I didn't know what and I didn't know how but I just knew that there was something else and I think I was still I still managed to feel inspired by what was possible by just by looking out and thinking well that person doesn't feel the way I'm feeling so there must be something out there well little did I know it was nothing out there it was all inside of me but that's how it started <laughs> right so so when was this awakening or you know this aha moment how old were you so again how old was i that's because it's such a crazy journey i think when we live in um in a state of trauma and and our nervous system is, is in such a state of fight or flight for so many years i think having that aha moment can feel really overshadowed so i think it happens at various points i think we can kind of get dripped drip fed these moments and I can remember because I come from a line of addiction and I and I went into addiction myself and I can remember one day I was with my boyfriend at the time who was a uh, a, a drug dealer and I can remember I must have been uh, maybe 20 years old and I can remember saying to him there's more to life than this like there must be so there was something there that was brewing in me already at that point but nothing changed for a very long time so I think the aha moments aren't necessarily like oh my god I'm waking up that's it I'm done with this it's more like a 
oh, I've pulled a little bit of information here and I know there's a, there's a little bit of hope. Okay, something somebody has said something here and that, you know, touches my heart. And I think it's an accumulation of, of things, of people, of events, of perceptions that happen, which then kind of, when we are at that point where we think, I'm done with this. That's when we can pull on all those resources and go, ah, oh, okay. Like, I remember that moment and I remember that moment. So yeah, so the aha moment for me, I think it happened slowly over time as I grew and as I healed. Okay, so you, so you, yes, yeah, so you had lots of little tips that, yeah, this is not right. And you were trying to kind of work yourself out of it. And it wasn't this big slap in the face where a lot of people, have something happen, you know, somebody in their life passes away and from alcoholism or, you know, their best friend ODs and all of a sudden they're like, okay, I got to stop, like got to stop. And that's of course with the substance abuse, but sometimes it's a little more, like you said, a little more subtle when you're just dealing with the lasting effects of trauma, because a lot of people don't even realize that they're, that they've been traumatized. A lot of people don't, you know, you use the word trauma and some people are like, oh, it wasn't that bad. I, you know, my parents drank, so what, you know? And and it takes a while to really, to sink in that it did have some lasting effects. And also, like you said, you tend to pick people that are in that world. So your boyfriend was a drug dealer. That's all he knew. That's all you knew. You know, it's you're in that world. I know Um, I for my listeners out there, I know a lot of you have heard this story, but I had a very slap me in the face aha moment. And it was when I was 26 and I was getting ready to have my first child. And it dawned on me that I didn't know what unconditional love was. Like I couldn't remember ever being hugged or loved or, you know, I didn't know what it was like to feel that just warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart, like completely for someone. And I panicked. So that's kind of where I was like, okay, I got to learn. And I got to figure out what else is going on, because if I don't know something, a, a concept as huge as unconditional love, either for myself or this child I'm about to have, it's like, what else don't I know? Yeah. And yeah, that's what kind of catapult. I mean, I did. It was a slap in the face. I mean, I knew my life wasn't normal because there was obvious physical damage, sexual abuse, like all of that stuff. So obviously it wasn't normal, but you don't think about the the everlasting, unless someone points it out to you, you know, the effects that will last. But I love that you said, you know, you were looking everywhere just to find out it was inside of you. And that is a huge, that is my number one belief. What would talk about that a little more? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, well, like you said, actually, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sort of mirror what you've just said with in terms of this, uh, in terms of trauma what that's exactly what happened with me actually I had no idea that I was that, that this had happened or was happening and that the life that I had during my childhood was classed as an extremely traumatic environment and childhood and examples and all, all, all of the stuff I had no idea because that's what I knew that's what was going on that's all I knew so sure enough you know, I left home, I became a mum at 17. And just like you, and although I didn't get that slap in the face of being like, I didn't know what unconditional love was, there was this, suddenly I had this child at 17 years old. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what do I do with this child? Like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to be a mum. I don't know. I don't know what any of this is. Um, 
so yeah and and I can imagine uh, being you know 26 is still quite young especially when we're still very much in a trauma state thinking oh my gosh there's a human about to be you know become part of this world and suddenly I don't know how to love I mean the fear in that is must be it must be so deep because <laughs> if if we can't touch that with ourselves how can we be involved with this newborn child how can we share that with that child and and that's when it sort of brings me back around to this it's all inside of us because right. yeah because although this is like this is a feeling that we think oh we need to learn this we need to learn this it's already inside of us however it's accessing it yes like how, how do we access that when we've we've never been taught we've never had the example there's there's no one around us that's been able to and I think it's important to say as well that even though perhaps our examples and and the way we were taught weren't particularly um healthy for us at some point because of how that works in the nervous system we then shut off to receiving it even when people are open to wanting to share that with us so there's no judgment on here for people that bat that away because it's really unfamiliar and it takes quite a lot to sit with that feeling of of receiving love because I think it's a two-way it's a two I mean love obviously is is us it's 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 what's already inside of us but to receive love we have to feel it within us so it's it's like a it's a constant exchange and the thought of receiving that love can be so overwhelming for some people who have never experienced that and just like you I was one of those people I'd never I never understood what 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 that felt like the safety being you know the way I am with my children it's as soon as there's an emotion there I'll, I'll allow the space but I'll also allow for conversation if they want it I'll allow for the would you like to be comforted now how do you want me to comfort you there's all of this you know feeling involved whereas actually when we're not used to that it's really hard to receive that so yeah digging deep inside of us is is not an easy task put it that way <laughs> well you know I say I always say that we're in a great place right now because we're in a place where it's starting to be okay to tell your story it's starting to be okay to come out and say you know something's wrong I need help you know help be needing help and feeling helpless and hopeless used to be such a sign of weakness. And, you know, that's the first thing I tell people is to ask for help is so courageous and so strong. I mean, when you're dealing, you know, especially when you've got a substance use disorder and sometimes it starts small and sometimes you go right into it, but people, if they could just, if I could get up on the rooftop and scream and just say, get help as soon as you know it's a problem. It's so much easier to fix a problem when it's a little tiny piece of snowflake than when it's a huge snowball, you know? And it's it's just one of those things, but it's also when you grow up, kind of like you said, you don't understand the love, you don't understand this. It also comes with all those limiting beliefs, which I think is all of what we do as coaches is just you know, going all the way back and letting people understand, yes, it's hard to receive love, very, very difficult. And a lot of the reason is because we don't feel we're lovable. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, and I, I was, you know, it was funny. I kind of, we didn't have all the the help and the coaching and all that stuff when I was 
26. I literally went down to the library, sat, sat my little butt on the floor in a corner and just with stacks and stacks of books about any topic I thought would relate to my world and just sat in the corner and cried and read for hours a day, hours, like sometimes six hours, you know, and just was like just reading and like, oh, this made sense. But it is funny that I did go to a therapist, but even for a while, but even after the first one, I was like, no, it's something missing. And I just always relied on myself to help myself. I knew that nobody was going to help me. I never had this feeling that somebody was going to swoop in and give me the magic pill, which is good because now after 30 years of healing, what I've discovered is I was a hundred percent right. And there is no magic pill. Your magic pill is in your, in you, you are the magic pill. <laughs> so you know, but it is funny because you just, you do, you struggle and you're like, why, why do I, you know, why do I sabotage every bad relationship I've ever had or a good relationship I could have possibly had? And a lot of it's because you don't feel worthy, you know? So um, as for your clients, talk about some of the ways that you help them kind of unravel some of those things. Yeah. So um, quite often, well, everyone's so different and I think you know I don't have this cookie cutter approach I just don't because uh, you know everybody who sits in front of me has a different nervous system for a start mm -hmm. and you know trauma is stored in the nervous system and it works you know we are we are one and to kind of separate the two the, the mind and the nervous system it is it's kind of it's great to a, to a point because I think we kind of, it's like a juggling effect. It's like, okay, we work on this, now we work on this, now we work on this. And it's like a softness that we can kind of play with and dance with a little bit. But if we're just focusing on one thing, then it becomes very intellectualized. And then suddenly we're, we're kind of abandoning the body in the process. Whereas when we kind of incorporate the two, um, like I said, it's, it becomes a dance and we become more familiar and more accepting and more open to what they're both doing with each other. So how, why is the body responding like that? And how can we comfort the body in this moment? How can we be with the body in this moment? And the same thing when the mind's going crazy and we've got all these thoughts and these intrusive thoughts that are coming up, how can we be with that? You know, what are they saying? You know, it, can we sort of be with that in the knowledge that they aren't true? So I think for me, it's very, it, it's very different with each client, but overall, and the bottom line is for me, is to, to first of all, sort of teach that awareness. So, mm -hmm. say, you know, I say teach, it, it's bringing, bringing the awareness and offering that as a suggestion to them. Um, and, and giving them ideas on how to incorporate that within their life because once we become aware of what is going on in our mind and in our body then we can create the space and right. a lot of coaches sort of talk about you know once we create this space and this space and this space they, you know once you have the space here and there and it's really difficult for someone who's traumatized to understand what the hell that means like what does this space thing mean like right. where is it? where can I find it Whereas the space is after the awareness. It's, it's, it's just as we've created this awareness, we have the space which is between the behavior. So we've got this kind of space where we can step into and then we have a choice. So we have a choice on how we respond to it to a degree. Um, I mean, obviously our old patterns can still be working and we may still choose the same choices and that's okay. Right. But it's still being aware of that. And suddenly we're regaining this kind of, oh, actually, 
I do have a choice. And if I still choose to do that, it's okay. Like it's not ideal and there's going to be a consequence, but I'm aware that I'm still choosing this behavior. Right. And ultimately it's all a choice, your happiness, your everything, every, and, but you have to be aware, you know, if you snap at somebody at work because they looked at you wrong and you don't even, aren't even aware why you could possibly have done that. You're never going to change that. You're just reacting, just overreacting and acting and not being proactive at all. And so I always say awareness is the key. Absolutely. Awareness. And then give your, no matter what it is, give yourself some grace you know, you're aware now. So just be curious and be forgiving of yourself because I know it's so cliche to just say, you know, when you go to Al-Anon or you go to AA and they're, you know, they're like, well, it's not your fault and it's not your fault. And of course, being traumatized as a child is not your fault, but how you react to it as an adult, like you said, once you're aware is now your responsibility. So that's probably the most simple sentence I've heard this week. Actually, I heard it again. And somebody said, yes, with awareness comes responsibility. Because if you're not aware, it's you have, you can't be held responsible. You don't know what you don't know. And that's why I think it's so good that there are people out there like you talking and just advocating and telling people. Um, what would be, if I had to ask you, like for people out there listening, that are like, well, maybe I had it, you know, maybe, maybe I was a little traumatized or however you want to put it in those words, you know, what would be some questions you could ask yourself to see if there is some inner work that you would need to do? What are some like red flags that life is just not going the way it's supposed to go? <laughs> um, Again, I always say look within. And I think if you're already asking that question, then there is. Mm -hmm. Because you wouldn't be asking that question if there wasn't you would just be living life that's how I would see it however on a small side note is that I believe I believe everybody has something if they want to to explore and this is a choice again you know some people aren't here in this lifetime to go through that process go through that healing process and that's absolutely fine but you know we also have the choice whether we want to spend time around certain groups of people we have that choice to not or to so yeah it's it's a it's if you're asking that question then i would assert potentially that you're already questioning <laughs> whether there's some things that you want to work on right i think we can get into the trap a little bit with this healing journey of thinking there's always something to heal and i think that's that's kind of almost like an addiction in itself oh mm -hmm. let me just heal this let me just heal this and I think it for me the healing journey is I mean that word in itself is is a journey but that doesn't mean that we always have something to fix right for me what it means is that we're part of we, we we've chosen to step into being self to being conscious and have this awareness and as things arise take responsibility for them right and that's for me what the healing journey means it doesn't mean i'm sitting down every day going i must fix this about me because there's nothing wrong with me even if i'm having a panic attack on the floor there is nothing wrong with me right. yeah, okay it doesn't feel great and i don't particularly want that to happen but effectively, that's just a symptom and a consequence of something deeper that's going on, which that's where we can go and explore. And there's still nothing wrong. It's just you're hurt. You know, right. I'm still hurt somewhere. Right. Which again, 
coming back to that, you know, I think people when they're feeling a certain way and this word trauma, I was thinking about it earlier and I thought it's a, it can be a really heavy word for people to carry mm-hmm. and sort of go, well, yeah, but I'm traumatized and I'm this. And suddenly once we identify as this, then it means we have to be it. Right. Have to be no. traumatized. I have to embody this trauma. And it's like, well, actually, trauma is just another word to describe that your body's not quite finished with what happened yet. So exactly. You're trying. Yes, something something is going on in your body that has not been resolved. And because of that, it's basically traumatically in affecting your body, you know, and that's one of the the, the nicest things. And, and, you know, I always say you got to work together. Like you said, it's it's a dance between body, mind and spirit. And I I add those all three in together because, like you said, you can fix one. But if you don't, you can fix your mind. You can go all day long and fix your mind. But if you're not fixing, like you said, where it's stored in the body, and I used to, I, I asked my client, another client just yesterday, and she said, oh, I'm d- done with that one. And I said, I was like, really? I was like, and she's like, no, I'm confident. I'm walking out in the world and I'm feeling good. And she's like, I can, I can have anything I want. Um, you know, and she was just, you know, she was overplaying it, obviously, but she was having fun with it. And I said, okay. I said, you know, say these words to me, you know, I feel like a monkey. And she's like, I feel like a monkey. I said, how does that feel to you? And she goes, it feels silly and good and funny. And I said, yeah, I said, now say I deserve all good things. And she goes, I deserve all good things. And I said, how'd that feel to you? She goes, Oh, kind of got a knot in my stomach. I said, so you're not, you don't believe you deserve all good things yet. Like, let's keep going. Like, come on, you know? And it's because when now, you know, when you go to make a decision and you're looking at that thing, that seems like you could never, never, never have that you're not convinced yet that you deserve to have that. So let's keep, you know, it's keep going, but it's a, just a, such a small, simple example of how it's still in her body. She still doesn't have that belief, you know, and it's quick check actually for people that are out there listening, you know, say to yourself something that simple. And if it hits you a little funny, then you probably, it's still brewing a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, coming, coming, meeting this with, with, like you say, grace, but I, I love using love and compassion, because mm-hmm. I do believe that there's certain things that store deep, they're really stored deep in, and it's not a case of going, oh, yeah, I've healed that off I go, I'm going to live this wonderful life, something will come in and trigger the next layer of where this is lying. Mm-hmm. And this is why I, I, this is why I really embodied the journey of this healing is because that's just another part of this process. It doesn't mean that you're back to square one. It doesn't mean that you're still broken. It just means that there's another little layer that we can go and explore. Exactly. And the more exactly. we can comfort this and meet it with love and compassion. Absolutely. So you said, I mean, you went through the ringer too, because you talked about like home, being homeless and, and you, you had a bunch of different things that you talked about. Was that when you were younger or was that when you were older? Yeah. So it was after I had my daughter when I was 17, um, okay. I was homeless. And then, um, then I went on and I met a drug addict, um, naturally. So, because you know, that's what would happen. Um, and yeah, spent a few years going around in circles with that um taking lots of lots of drugs and I can remember one day uh, you asked me earlier a heart up a aha moment and although again this wasn't necessarily one of those moments but it was a drip feeding moment that sticks out for me 
um, it was when we got busted by the police and they came in and um, they ran upstairs and I they wouldn't let me see my daughter. And I think she was about 18 months old at this point. And they searched her clothes before I got her dressed for nursery that morning. And I can remember thinking to myself as I left for nursery with her, um, I can remember being in the car thinking, you know, they really think I would stash drugs on my on my child. And that was a moment where I realized what world I was living in. Yeah. Because I did love my daughter unconditionally. I do love my daughter unconditionally, but I didn't know what that meant. And so therefore there was this huge conflict inside of me of I'm pulled and this is where I belong because this is what I know and this is what I believe I deserve. And then there's the knowledge that I'm a mother I love this child. I don't want anything to hurt this child ever, but I don't know what to do. I right. don't know how to separate those two. And um, I mean, I figured it out. It took me a long time. It took me another couple of years, I would say, with with pulling myself away and going back and pulling myself away. And yeah, it, it wasn't easy. But um, I think as well, what comes in after after that is is a huge amount of judgment and i think that really that that self punishment and that judgment and that shame that is a heavy one and i think that's what that's what the wake up call ends up being i think and i feel for me like we have mm -hmm. the trauma you know we maybe we settle so the dust settles a little bit and then it's the like the the darkness of the shame and how how could I have done that? You know, why did I live like that? Those people were saying, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this. I've got, you know, there's so much, so many people telling me how wrong this is, but yet, you know, I'm still doing it. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was a big one for me in my healing is the, is the shame and knowing that I was a mother and that feeling of how could I do that to my child? Yes. And that yeah. took a lot of, a lot of work. I'm, I'm imagining, I can't even imagine, you know, I just, I'm thinking just the fear of losing of them coming and taking your child. I mean, I would be like, no, <laughs> you know, like just that fear alone would, you know, you say would make you stop, but addiction is a very powerful thing. And it, you know, it's kind of like, it's it's hard to describe and it's hard to describe the grasp and the hold it has on you because you're not really in your right mind when you're making the decisions. So, you know, it would be easy to say, oh, yeah, just stop. I mean, if you're sober and you're not drinking or whatever, it's easy, very easy to voice the words, I'm going to stop for my child. And then you start drinking and then your mind is not you're not in your right mind. So um, but at the same, you know, it's a disease and that's I will never get on here. I've been on, been guesting on podcasts where they want me to shame the addiction and shame the, the alcoholism. And it's, it's a choice. And yes, the first time you pick it up is a choice the very first time. And most of the time in all my experiences, the first time you pick it up is either one, because it's all, you know, I can remember pouring scotches for my dad at three years old. I knew what a doers on the rocks was or heavy on the ice. And I was three. Yeah. You know, so to start drinking, it meant nothing to me. Yeah. It was just part of life. And then it becomes an addiction and you don't, you don't have control over that. Do you know, I did a really great exercise, which was really powerful. And although this was only for cigarettes, um, still, still an addiction, it can really apply to, to a lot of things. And I think it's 
what I did was is um, this is going back some time, but it, it gave me some clarity at the time. So I don't know if any of your listeners might might enjoy this is actually writing down the first time you did the thing, um, who you were around what was the feeling that you felt and what Mm -hmm. was the pull so what was the reasoning that you did it and just see what comes up because it's really powerful when we write it down in front of us and we do it in our own sort of like um, safety bubble at home or wherever and it's really interesting what comes up and I mean I've done it I mean I came from a line of addiction um, in my family um, for generations actually Um, so I get it. And and I can remember thinking that actually for me to do this was important for me to pick up this cigarette or pick up this whatever I picked up. It was important for me to do that because actually it made me part of the crew. It mm-hmm. made me one of them. And at the moment, I'm not part of them because I don't do this. So I'm actually excluded from my tribe. And as humans, we need to belong like there's a longing within us that feels like we need to belong. And that for me was like a rejection from my tribe. Like I can't, you know, I'm not part of them. This is, this doesn't feel right. I mean, obviously again, coming back to the, to the healing process, we, we, we learn over time that we belong just because of we are, it doesn't matter where and who we're with. We, we belong already. But whilst we're in that process, you know, it's, it's like I've been rejected from the tribe because I'm not doing the same. So this is why, why we do it. And actually do we need to do that in order to belong in that tribe? Do we want to be part of that tribe? So, so yeah, it's, um, it's a complex thing, this addiction thing. And, And like you said, the the for me the work for me the people that are already involved in in addiction are already shaming themselves and punishing themselves enough they don't need any more from us no you know that's just that's not helpful (laughs) at all um they know they know they just at the moment they can't do and do you know what it's it's okay because hopefully hopefully they'll find something a, a light somewhere a guidance somewhere, a support somewhere that will just hold their hand out and they'll be ready to receive. Right. And, you know, and it's important too. And even like if you're, if parents are still actively drinking or a a spouse or whatever it is that the shunning and the shaming is like you said, they're already wallowing in their own shame. It, It doesn't do any good to, to be a little empathetic. I remember the first Alateen meeting I went to and they were talking about empathy and I was not ready to hear that at the time. It actually turned me away from Alateen for 10 years because I was like, no, I'm not feeling sorry for this person that is burning cigarettes on my father's arm. And like, I can't. But when, you know, I look back at it later and I'm like, wow, had I been able to sit with my mom and understand that she was going through her own demons and she was fighting her own battles and that you know, again, generation after generation after generation, um, I, I it would have been a different ballgame. I might have had a relationship with her. I might have been able to deal with that. But at that moment in time, I was just mad and angry. And, you know, that's why I started drinking, because it, it was numbing. It was numbing. I just didn't want to be, you know, and it and it's funny because it's it is such a choice. And but I liked it at the time. It was, it was completely numbing to me. And that was cool. Like I didn't want to feel pain. I didn't want to feel fear. I didn't want to feel any of those weird emotions that I didn't think you were supposed to be able to feel. But, um, 
Yeah, I do. I, I look back at it and that's why I like to talk to kids. I like to grab kids who I know whose parents are struggling and be like, just sit with them and just try to understand because there's a reason they're doing it. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I think I'm going to drink myself to death and abuse my children. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. So no, it's a really, um, that's like you just said when you were at that meeting, that was like, uh, what, what are you saying to me? This does literally like repel, like this is, I'm not ready to hear this. I'm I was not. Hurting. I'm so hurting inside and this is not helping me. And I think again with my clients, when interestingly, I find that those that have been to therapy, they, they have the wording um, and they can come to me and they go, yeah, I know, I get it. You know, they've hurting too. And you know, da, 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 da. And it's like, no, hold on a minute. Let me just pause. Can we just acknowledge how you feel? Right. Because even though you know why, maybe we haven't explored how you, how and what you're feeling now. Because whilst you're saying you understand why they did it, you're denying the way you actually feel. Exactly. And, and that right now is is why you're still here in therapy, like why you're still feeling stuck, why you're still hurting. Because right. you haven't quite gone deep enough and kind of explored why you're still hurting. And it's okay to hurt it's okay to feel angry and annoyed and upset about what happened. It's it's important that we process that. Mm-hmm. We're sad about it. It hurt. It hurt us at the time. Right. And as we can kind of comfort these feelings that are coming up, and they might still come up. You know, I mean, I have a I have a relationship with my parents now, but there were points where you know, even now, I mean, I there are points where it comes up and I still, and this is where I think trauma lies deep and, and it doesn't matter how many times we address it. It's the tools and the skills we have on how we approach it. That becomes, that makes it easier and softer for us. And it makes the episodes more fluid and free and flowing. Right. So, you know, I still have these moments where I'll go, I'm going to cry. Like I'm just today, I'm just going to, or this moment now, it doesn't have to be all day. I just need to cry. I feel really crap. You know, I'm still hurt. It still upsets me that they chose something over me. They chose to do this thing over over care for for me. And that still hurts sometimes. And that's okay because I'm human. It, right. it doesn't rule my life. It doesn't take over me. But every now and then it will come up. And that's okay. It's like, let's just be with our humanity. Let's, let's be with these emotions. Let's not kind of go, oh, my gosh, I'm not healed. Oh, my gosh, I've got to go. Well, let's just, let's just be with this for a minute. Well, Exactly. And I, and I love that you just said, you know, I, I call it a healing journey too, because it's never over. And it's not that you're always, like you said, you're not broken, but it's part of life. It's the layers of life and it's new experiences even and new things. And, you know, as it took me, I mean, it was 26 when I went to a therapist and said, I'm having a baby, I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. And, you know, and we talked about a day, whatever, something that had happened. And she's like, well, how do you feel? And I'm like, I don't even really understand what that means. I try not to (laughs) like, I don't, you know what I mean? And I literally, it took me a couple years, you know, horrible things could happen to me. And I had a very bad tendency of dissociating, kind of stepping outside of my body and watching the things happen to me. So there wasn't emotion attached, but I can remember some of them, what I thought were the most joyous times of my life, getting in trouble for being happy. So it's like, wait a minute. Like, so it, you know, so it's, you know, I was talking to someone the other day and she was like, I know I got to process all this and I got to write down how I feel and I got to journal about it. And I'm like, first, you need to just be aware that you have feelings and then we will work on 
why you have those particular feelings, but just start to let you, like you said, just let it come. Let yourself pry. Let yourself for no reason want to punch a pillow. Go punch a pillow if it makes you feel better, you know, and especially anger, because I feel like some of the stuff that had been done to people as children, they have every right to feel intense anger, you know, whether it's about the situation at the, whatever it is. I mean, there's a lot in forgiveness too, but anger is so natural and it's so stifled in our society. It's crazy. And then they wonder why people, I mean, God forbid, but they wonder why people do horrendous things when the anger builds up so bad that they just break, you know, your body can only hold so much, (laughs) you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think it's, um, you know, when I think of how children are, are sort of educated in, in, you know, in the system, we're really kind of encouraged in the school system to kind of almost ignore and suppress. You have to behave this certain way in order to fit, you know, the criteria of what's going on. Um, that's a conversation for another day. But I know, right? There's a whole other thing. <laughs> <laughs> but but where I was going with that is that, you know, when when children are feeling a certain way at home and then they're going into another environment where they're suppressed, there's not a lot of space in this in in this world for children to express themselves freely at the moment. And that I feel is is a shame. And if a child is angry, you know, guide them with some tools so that they can be with that you know what does that feel like where does it feel like in your body you know where's it coming up for you you know how do you want to express that in a way that's safe for you you know and and these these aren't the we're not we're not taught any of this as children and still now today we're still not teaching children this and yeah, it breaks my heart a little bit. Yeah, I, I used to do a fun activity. I taught first grade one year and I used to make them close their eyes and we would just think about something like just, you know, bring bring something up, like something happy, something sad, something whatever. And then I would be like, and don't can't move your feet, but with your arms, show me how you feel. But they had their eyes closed. So they were free to be like, I have a heart. I feel angry. You know, some of them would be stomping their feet, but we couldn't move their feet because then it would be like 26 first graders punching each other. But <laughs> You know, I mean, but it was like, show a heart if you feel love. And 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 they did it with their eyes closed. And it was funny because I actually went to a, brown, a groundbreaking ceremony a couple months ago. And it was like, we're like blessing the earth. And it was so cute. And we all closed our eyes and danced. And boy, it was so fun to, but it was just feel free to be you, free to be me, wow. stomp your feet. And, and it's funny that 20 years ago, I was doing that with first graders and I was just like, they just need to stomp sometimes, you know, but they're afraid to do it because society says, don't be mad. So it's like, if you want to go, and it was cute because I was watching them. So they were like, (laughs) you know, honestly, the gift you have given them is just, that's just so beautiful because the fact that they were, they felt able to express themselves in a safe space like that they may never have felt like that again until they left home and even even after Mm -hmm. and that is just such a gift and it's so beautiful and and like you said even 20 years ago so and some of those children will still remember you because there's something in that that is magical that is not seen as okay in today's society Mm -hmm. and it would be lovely to incorporate more of that especially wouldn't that be fun I would I would think that they should do that in every classroom every classroom for one minute you close your eyes and you cannot peek and you just let out what you're thinking (laughs) do you know what I find really interesting about that is um is I'm I'm assuming 
and I'm guessing and I can imagine if I was on the other side of that the way you know for where you were standing I bet you could really get a very clear or very well a picture maybe not clear but a picture of what it was like for them at home I knew exactly what it was like I mean I'm sure you had a bigger picture anyway being around them but even in that expression the way Mm -hmm. you were you you know you offered them that safe space to express themselves watching them because I know thinking of myself as that child I literally would have been like that like this does not feel right I can't do that because I my main thing was I formed literally I was like so that that was that was how I responded so I can imagine me being in that child position and being totally like no this doesn't feel yeah there were some that were like like closer like squinting and just kind of like oh like they wanted to they wanted to do something but they weren't they couldn't even yeah no it was it was it was beautiful it would it would warm my heart in the morning (laughs) I did a couple little exercises like that but but this has been so much fun I could literally there's like nine different topics I could talk to you about and different things this has been so nice but um I know the listeners are probably like okay Tammy it's been 45 minutes (laughs) but Jody, so if people want to reach out to you, what is the best, quickest way for them to get hold of you? Okay, so all of my social medias are coaching with Jody. Okay. Um, and I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and I also have my website, which is coachingwithjody.co.uk. Um, and yeah, I am open at the moment. I have two slots available as well at the moment for, for coaching. So um, yeah, come and say hi. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds up like, and I'll put all those links in the show notes and everything. Now, before we go, because I always ask my guests to leave, if you could go back and people listening to this, we have people that have been on their healing journey for 30 years, people that are just starting out. So if you could give them one piece of advice or some words of wisdom or something practical that they can start right now to start just moving along, what would it be? Um, It would be to start to investigate what it feels like in their body to feel safe okay very nice I love it have not gotten that one I ask everybody and they're all getting different I'm like wow how many more answers can I get and they keep getting different but thank you so much for coming on Jody. I appreciate it Thank you so much. Honestly, it's been a pleasure. It's been so lovely to meet you. And maybe we'll do this again one day. Oh, yeah. We definitely have more stuff to talk about, <laughs> without a doubt. And for everybody tuning in, more stories of hope and healing. That was Jody Gray. We appreciate her coming and tune back in next week. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. If this episode resonated with you or you think someone else could benefit from what you heard, why not share it with someone you care about? Let's heal from our past and take back control of our lives together. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to www.tammyvincent.com for a free chapter of my book, Surviving Alcoholic Parents. While you're there, be sure to catch my invigorating seminar, Awakening Your Authentic Self. Together, we will rewrite our stories and turn trials into triumphant smiles. Until next time, keep embracing your strength, keep being you, and know that you are more than enough. You are way more than enough right here, right now.